This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Uh, today's essential question is how can the theater arts be a tool for racial and social justice? And our guest today is Sarah Freeman uh, from the UPS Theater Department. If you are not familiar with UPS, that is the University of Puget Sound, not the United States Postal. No, that's... No. United Parcel United Service. Parcel Service. Oh Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> so if Sarah wasn't here, I don't even know what we would do. Um, Sarah Freeman is Associate Professor of Theater at the University of Puget Sound. Previously, she taught at the University of Oregon, Illinois Wesleyan University, and Columbia College in Chicago. She holds an MA and PhD in theater from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Her historical scholarship concerns alternative British theater and contemporary playwrights, and she maintains an active creative practice as a director and dramaturg. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yay. We're so excited to have you here. Yeah, um, absolutely. I kind of want to start first by talking about that last word, since I'm really <laughs> intrigued by it. Yeah. Can uh-huh. you explain that for the layperson? Sure. So um, the word dramaturg, that in that case, refers to a role or job that you're doing as part of a theater production process. It comes from the word dramaturgy, which is a, a word that has sort of three basic modes. It quite literally translates from the German as the working of the actions. Mm. Um, in in French, the word dramaturg is the word for playwright as well. Um, but so as we use it um, in American theater, in British theater, and, and largely in German theater, um, dramaturgy can refer to three things. It can refer to the structure and properties of a, of a piece of theatrical writing mm-hmm. or um, um, theater, right? So what are its properties? It's built this way. It tells its story this way, right? Um, it can refer to um, s- uh, sort of the, the research and context that we put into a show, and then it can refer to, the, uh, to, to producing a show, um, and then it can refer to the work you do prepping a show, um, in a collaborative process, mm-hmm. right? So when people say I'm the dramaturg, it means they're they have a role in a production team as the collaborator who helps really uh, focus on questions of the structure and the story and the context in which mm-hmm. we're telling the story. I've heard the mm-hmm. dramaturgs described as like the glue of the show because mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, I had a friend who did um, um, was a dramaturg for uh, My Best Enemy. Is that the is that the show? I'm naming that show right there. Mm-hmm. It's about um, a white supremacist who befriends a black activist in the 1960s. It's based on a true story, mm-hmm. but she had to do her role was doing historical research yeah. to figure out do, are all of our artifacts appropriate, are all mm-hmm. of our costumes appropriate. And when I've done dramaturgy for Devise shows, that's been mostly um, research on topics that we're covering and then um, collating all of the stuff into one like location one document and like organizing it so it kind of depends on the needs of the show, show but yeah yeah and and most of us who are um dramaturgs also direct or also act or also write plays or many of those things mm-hmm. and i think almost everyone who doesn't have a real strange sort of animus against <laughs> against the notion of dramaturgy um would say that there the processes of dramaturgy are necessary to do 
do any show, whether or not you have a person in yeah. the production team who's named the dramaturg, mm-hmm. right? So directors are always doing dramaturgy. Um, designers are always yeah. doing dramaturgy. Actors should be doing dramaturgy. But it is also really excellent part of a collaborative process to have someone mm. who is uh, there ask, helping ask those questions, helping facilitate things, helping focus us, helping coordinate the shared language of yeah. the production, um, and and consistently asking questions, and also sometimes being an early audience for, mm. for people saying, like, so we aim to do this. Yeah. Here's what I can see out here, because I'm not busy needing to, yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, support the actors, or, you know, actually build the set, or, right. you know, move <laughs> all the people around. Um, so. I'm going to learn a lot on this episode, I think. This <laughs> yeah. is awesome. Can you talk a little bit, so how long have you um, been at UPS, and how long have mm-hmm. you been doing work in the arts and theater. Sure. Um, I joined the faculty at UPS in 2011, came up here from University of Oregon where I'd been teaching for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also an alum. Uh, I graduated from UPS in 1995. Awesome. So I was here um, from 91 to 95 in Tacoma in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Longview, Washington. Mm-hmm. So I came up from mm-hmm. there to go to Tacoma, left Tacoma to go to Wisconsin yeah. to do grad work, mm-hmm. spent some years in Chicago and in the greater um, Illinois area. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working in the arts since, you know, I don't know. What do we count? You know, there's ballet class from yeah. age three. Oh. There's falling in love with um, theater in second grade, you know, seeing a production of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, there's my first great. official, like, role on stage in, like, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you? What was your official role? Uh, oh, it was in some summer, summer yeah. you know, theater camp uh, in, the metro, in the Parks District yeah. in Longview uh, called Sir Slob and the Princess, and I was, <laughs> I was some supporting role. I was not the princess, which was really a blow to my heart. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, the first time, the first show I spoke a line in was uh, Guys and Dolls. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but if we might want to say work, work in the arts, probably from um, the, from college on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess my basic proposition is I'm going to keep doing this until someone doesn't let me. And, yeah. Like until it's like everything stops and I don't have any more <laughs> options anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's really, really awesome. You may not remember this mm-hmm. for back, but what was it about <laughs> The Wizard of Oz or what was it about <laughs> seeing sh- – theater as a child that made you draw drew you to it and made you be like oh that's magic i need to get i need to get in on that yeah i mean it was a sort of sense of magic um i think it was a really strong experience of presence like mm. this is right here with me and i'm mm. and this incredible exchange of energy and um beauty right mm. and then transformation that i was mm. watching things change and mm. um people people extend and do things with their voices and their bodies and their emotions that was not just fully present but also um showed me like the whole scope of human life, mm. right? Um, mm. Yeah, I think that's it. I just like that really strong sense of presence, mm-hmm. that sense of shared experience, and and the sense that, we, that human beings can transform themselves by telling stories and mm-hmm. telling them together. Mm-hmm. What, um, if you think mm-hmm. about some of your um, favorite like performances, I mean, either you participated in or have watched, like, um, what would you pinpoint? Like, what do you point to in in terms of of showing showcasing those things? Okay, so well, this is interesting because I'm someday going to finish a book project that's focused on three writers that I think uh, are mm-hmm. sort of key to me. Watching shows of theirs um, and reading shows of theirs have been probably the most important theatrical experiences of mm-hmm. my life. So I've been I've been writing an introduction about that, and in doing that, I've also had to identify. Are there any others? So I've really yeah. sort of narrowed it down. Like there's sort of probably six key authors that are are like there's so many authors I love, right? and there's yeah. so many important shows I've seen. Um, but 
in terms of playwrights and my experiences of their work, there are six, and then a couple other shows in addition to those that just completely set my my motion. Um, so the, fir- the, the there's Timberlake Wurtenbaker, mm-hmm. whose play Our Country's Good, which is about um, the first British penal colony in Australia, mm-hmm. um, and the the true story of how the a the the officers there, a couple of the officers, um, staged a production of a play in honor of uh, George III's birthday with the convicts as actors, mm-hmm. um, and um, how that how that changed the convicts' lives, even in a in mm-hmm. a totally repressive and closed system like that penal colony. Um, so reading that, pl- seeing that play, I saw it at Western Washington University oh, cool. when I was a sophomore nice. in. I went to um, Western. Uh, in yeah. college, and then I wrote a research paper about it, and then I proceeded to write about her um, for the next 15 years and have directed a lot of her plays. But Our Country's Good, super high up there, yeah. pr- production mm-hmm. at Western in like 1992 or three. Nice. Um um, Carol Churchill, the playwright Carol Churchill, saw her, uh, the premiere production of her play The Skriker, which is a real mm-hmm. mind-bender in London in the National Theatre in 1994. Loved her writing, some of her writing before, but mm-hmm. have continued to think about her and write about her um, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Rule read a script of, uh, a, an early draft of Eurydice when I was script reading mm-hmm. in Chicago and um, just fell in love and have, have tracked her work and advocated for her work and directed her work and written about her a lot. And then uh, Naomi Azuka, mm-hmm. um, whose play um, Polaroid Stories is one that's sort of actually sort of beloved of a lot of mm-hmm. high schools and colleges now, but is a really challenging revisit to myth, thinking about street kids. Um, and then I particularly like her play 36 Views, and I've been mm-hmm. writing about her um Play um, Butcher, uh, no, excuse me, not Butchertown. It's set in Butchertown in Louisville. It's called um, At the Vanishing Point. Mm-hmm. Tony Kushner, Angels in America, saw mm-hmm. the production of Angels in America in London again in '94, uh, directed by Declan Donlan. Completely changed my life in terms of the scope of the play, of what stories can be told on stage, um, how representation works, and mm-hmm. also how, like, the fluidity of mm-hmm. staging. Um, and then, um, Adrienne Kennedy, who's African-American playwright, um, who I wrote research paper about in college. And I have really not gotten to see many of her plays staged. I, I've seen one of her plays staged. But just her work, I think, is super, mm. super important. A couple other key productions out there that are not by those writers mm-hmm. that really, really have mattered to me. But, like, those are my, <laughs> you know, key influences, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to read more about these. I know, people. yeah. I'm like, wait a second. I feel like I've heard that person before. Yeah, I also um, saw that UPS is doing How I Learned to Drive this year. Right now, it, yeah, this right weekend. now. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it's Paula Vogel is a great. Inspiration she's an too. amazing playwright. Yeah, so she's. I just saw the yeah. show last night. Oh, cool! How is it? Really good. Excellent. That's senior, awesome. senior thesis show. Cool. Really brave, mature yeah. work from from yeah. the students. That's mm-hmm. an incredible script. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Are there other kind of awesome things happening at UPS this year? I know that we are. I don't know if everyone knows that we have a really pretty awesome theater community in Tacoma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's what cool stuff's happening at UPS? Well, this year it's almost done at UPS. So this mm-hmm. this Senior Theater Festival show is the last um, mm-hmm. on our scheduled season. Um, and But it's been a big year. We started with the Race and Pedagogy National Conference right, yeah. in mm-hmm. September that had quite a few performance elements in it that were fantastic and important. Um, Fall Show was a production of Antigone by my mm-hmm. colleague Jess Smith, which is an ancient Greek tragedy, of course, but which feels deeply, deeply relevant today. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm so... And, 
maybe we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about it off off mic. Um, mm-hmm. But I, as a student teacher, my mentor teacher was like, "You're gonna need to teach this." And I read it, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't. I was like, "I can't envision teaching this to tenth graders." So I'll have to mm-hmm. pick your brain later, um, mm-hmm. thinking about the relevancy and whatnot. But. And then I directed Bertolt Brecht and Kurt Weill's uh, Three Penny Opera, which mm-hmm. is also pretty pretty key. Um, pretty pretty important text um, in, mm. around political theater. Really different style now than I think is speaking to my current students, but mm. but they plunged into doing it and it was that was very enjoyable. Then the senior theater shows have been um, a production of Hedda Gobbler and a production of a show called The Ladies Not for Burning mm. and then How I Learned to Drive, mm. all of which took really exciting approaches both to the content and the sort of style. So we're we've had a really intense year, and then there's always student improv going on. We're coming up on next year. We know for sure in the fall that I'll be directing the Penelope ad by Margaret Atwood. So she wrote a novel where she retells the story of the Odyssey from Penelope's point mm. of view, mm. um, and then has it's been adapted into a play oh, as cool. well. Uh, really challenging work about about women's stories and. Um, sexual violence, quite mm. frankly. Um, and then we're, we're not quite sure what the spring show will be yet. It's coming and always have to wait. The senior thesis shows don't get announced yeah. until the fall because okay. the, the, the seniors have to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so so thinking about mm-hmm. your role as like a teacher um, or professor, mm-hmm. um, how do you, I mean, what's your kind of philosophy about how do you approach this work with students and helping them kind of come to their own, but also like this is a really unique opportunity to make these choices that mm-hmm. are, you know, bringing certain voices to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, we do pretty challenging work at, yeah. at Puget Sound, and we pretty consistently choose material that um, that means we're dealing with subject matter that's mm-hmm. right, right on, you know, sort of hot button, um, if not conflicts, then things that are that – are, um, always hard for human beings and mm. often newly relevant right? yeah. um, each new phase. It's often surprising how much, even when we go back to an old text, we discover, wow, this is about things that um, are really still very difficult. Mm. And if we and if we do them justice, we really have to talk about, mm. you know, what's in them. You can't paper over that. Mm. Um, so we don't, we pick, uh, we have a very loose set of uh, sense that we need to rotate among styles and um, periods so that our students come out uh, with a lot of different experiences in types of acting, mm-hmm. types of design, mm-hmm. uh, types of text that they have done um, during during any four or five year period they might be working with mm-hmm. us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we don't have a heavy duty rotation that says we must do this type of show no, now, we nice. must do yeah. that type of show now. We have a strong sense that we need to be um, making sure that uh, we don't default to just doing plays that uh, are are known in a way that means all the authors are male and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't have a, a rigid rotation that says, you know, we must do a person of color or a woman this way, but we also have a set of directors who are pretty committed yeah. to, to doing work by um, women of color, by women writers across the board, by um, men of color. It, it's So we're always sort of just negotiating yeah. between like mm-hmm. what is speaking to the director's heart, what is the pool of students yeah. who are there, what is the right, what is what do we feel mm-hmm. like we need to talk about first on the campus and then in the world at large, and then who indeed, what type of writers mm-hmm. and, and uh, topics and styles are we staging. Um, and we do 
pretty good job. We have a small season compared yeah. to a lot of places, but mm-hmm. in those seasons, we we do rather well. And we had a little phase where between uh, Jess and I, we had staged so many more contemporary plays that I think our students were like sort of spoiling. <laughs> they were like, when are we going to do Shakespeare again? And so they went and programmed two Shakespeare shows in their <laughs> oh, senior thesis. And we were like, what are you going to do? <laughs> if we had been doing nothing but the classics, they'd yeah. be like, when do we get to do new plays? Yeah. And where are yeah. the plays by Everyone's... women of color? And they would have put <laughs> yeah. those in the senior Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. No kidding. Um, That's so interesting. So thinking about, I mean, traditionally, I think of UPS and it's pretty mm-hmm. white in terms of student population. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's the demographic that is drawn into um, into your work, into your department? Or do you feel like there's some differences with that? Um there's no there's no avoiding the fact that the the, the campus is still predominantly white mm-hmm. and that curtails right or that that shapes I can't mm-hmm. say I shouldn't say curtails but it does put limits on what we can easily do mm-hmm. or assume is mm-hmm. going to happen in terms of who shows up for our auditions yeah. it means that um we we need to be really proactive about making sure that students of color have entryways into our department, mm-hmm. that that the conversations we're having in classes and the, the type of material that we're distributing in classes shows mm-hmm. that there is this incredible range of things and that we're inviting as many people in as possible yeah. and that then whenever we possible, we're staging material mm-hmm. by non-white authors, by um, people from a range of gender yeah. identities. Um so yeah, there's there's like just if we're going to count numbers, it's still always yeah. so far always primarily white people. Yeah. But especially my colleague Jeff Prell has done some incredible collaborative initiatives um, with the playwright C. Rosalind Bell, oh, yeah. during which we yeah. have had productions that have uh, majority African American cast on stage. I, I would think I should say maybe only one uh, that's a majority African American yeah. cast on stage, but that have changed that mm. proportion a great deal. And I think that we are interested and aware that we that interested that we want to keep yeah. creating moments like that, aware that when we do that, it often requires us doing our auditions and our recruiting mm. dif- yeah. differently. It That's means it means we need to yep. We need to back away from the sort of sense that, okay, well what a professional theater audition is is that you just put out the call and people show up. Yeah. Right? right. Which is important right to yeah. to model like some real, real world right skill yeah but it's also we we are not we're never going to totally like we're not going to precast shows but it's also yeah. like if you want to do a show that significantly has right. um, latinx actors yeah. or you know african-american actors yeah. or asian-american actors then you need to to invite and yeah. encourage and support yes. that. Um, and it, it, it you can't just sort of put the call out and yeah. say, please show up. Well, I think <laughs> or, yeah. or show up if you're interested. We definitely yeah. feel right. that. It's like we're in educational institutions, yeah. right? Like we're, we're it's mm-hmm. not just about modeling what the mm-hmm. rest of the industry looks like. It's also about creating opportunities, yeah. right? So that students see themselves in, in the theater or in other disciplines, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think about, you know, the same is true for um, for other other things like I teach social studies so mm-hmm. you know thinking about if students if black and brown students don't see themselves in politics right mm-hmm. or they don't see themselves reflected in elected officials right like what message does that give them about power or about um, the ability to make change right um, and that's why it's so important to have like because vis- visibility matters so much mm-hmm. and it sounds like I mean it can be a self-perpetuating 
problem, right? If you don't address it yeah. head on, right? <laughs> then right. it kind of like, oh, we don't, we didn't cast any students of color, so then our shows don't have any students of color, and then mm-hmm. students yeah. of color don't audition, yeah. right? So, right. It's, yeah. Well, that's the blindness of um, like systemic racism, right? And mm-hmm. systemic issues, uh, which is really exciting to hear you talk about. Yeah, I like how you distinguish between like the awareness of it and then also like having to make changes. Yeah, and it's a it's a sort of long slow process, yeah. right? Um, and the other interesting thing, you know, you experience it in high schools and you experience it in colleges is you you start to change things, mm-hmm. right? But students are only there for you, only right. there with you for fourish yep. years, right? Yep. <clears throat> so sorry, you get a. Um, you get a sort of good momentum going and then that cohort mm-hmm. will graduate right. and you sort of have to start uh-huh. over again, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, that's so interesting. And that's, I don't say that with resentment, but it does mean that uh, it is a it is a recurring question. Mm-hmm. It's not like, although I do think change and uh, demographic change and the changes in who's coming mm-hmm. to campus and changes in the way UPS is thinking about who its ideal students are yeah. means that we will yeah. start to like have more and more momentum where it's not like, okay, so we had a really great, for a while, we had a really great set of students of color who were really involved and now Mm -hmm. they're gone. And if we're not careful, we won't have another set. (laughs) I think, I I think we will, I think we will uh, hopefully continue to build momentum, but we do have to watch that, right? Like you can't, we don't get to do it just once and then they hang out for 10 or 15 Yeah, right. I think that's like, that's kind of how anti-racist work is like period, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you, you know, in Mm -hmm. any, any discipline or any area of life, right? You just like, it's the work's not done ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Can you talk a little bit more about um, some of the other, I don't know, Annie kind of had written a question Mm -hmm. around like blind spots. I don't know if that's the right word. Oh, yeah. I I just pulled it up there. Yeah, I feel like I wrote blind spots and I I realized that's kind of ableist. Where is, where did I put that? Uh, It's there. I pulled it up. Um, So thinking about, yeah, you're right in terms of the ableist term. So thanks for catching that. So in terms of places that you would like to see the department grow or things that you feel like in theater as a whole need to shift a little bit to be more oriented towards social justice or anti-racist work. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, specifically like theater education, because Mm -hmm. we, you know, it's um, there's that distinction right between theater education and professional theater. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like what in theater education, what what changes still need to happen in uh, the way we teach theater to make sure that that the the teaching is equitable. You've already mentioned like play, mm-hmm. um addressing play, different playwrights and mm-hmm. exposing students to new new work, but Well, mm-hmm. and I think that like you mentioned auditions, I think that's really mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. Something I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. I I guess my perspective on this is I'm I'm trying to sort out because one of the things that I observe about the field of theater at large, so the the, the academic theater that I like move in the world of theater mm-hmm. history um and theater scholarship and then also like um, dramaturgy, the sort of professional organizations about dramaturgy that cross over both professional yeah. and academic spaces, and then professional theater at large is um, that in some ways these conversations have been ongoing in theater for uh, I feel much more steeped in them mm. um, than I feel like the culture at large has yeah. been in some spaces where there are things happening in in spaces outside of theater where I think, oh, well, you know, we've sort of been talking about that for yeah. a while in theater. Yeah. Not that we've solved it or yeah. that we're really brilliant or good, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, this fun. is not a new conversation to yeah. me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So... There are things that I feel like are really ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are things, there are ways in which organizations in theater and theater departments that I know of are, I they are working the front line, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what needs to change is money, right? Like mm-hmm. there just yeah. has to be enough money that those those artists and those spaces yeah. are not always at the at the sort of um, scarcity edge, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then. I think that um, 
one of the things that needs to change is we or, or that needs to continue to be the best practice, right? I think it's changed mm-hmm. in a lot of places, but then there are places where it just hasn't, mm-hmm. is that we have to meet students and, mm-hmm. and early young artists where they are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, we have to make it clear to them that who they are in the world is enough, yeah. mm-hmm. right? That they don't have to become another person mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. order to be allowed to do this work, right? They may play other people on yeah. stage. They may mm-hmm. extend themselves and transform themselves yeah. as they yeah. do mm-hmm. things on stage, whether they're writers or directors or actors. Um but they don't have to become another person in order to mm-hmm. get to make work, yeah. right? Um, and I, I feel like that's one of our bases yeah. at, at Puget Sound. Like, we are never going to ask someone to transform themselves. We're never going to say that just the way you are yeah. is not, like, you just don't. Like you just don't get to do this, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, whether it's because of body size or yeah. ability or how your voice is or what your uh, um Ethnic, racial, class background, yeah. social economic status background. Like we're mm-hmm. just that's that's a given to us, right? Yeah. That everyone could be an artist. Everyone should get to start from where they are and be an artist. But there, but the, I don't know that that's true everywhere yet. Yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, it's really exciting for me to hear you say, um, yeah, mm-hmm. to just identify those things and mm-hmm. to say that because I think that's pretty transferable um, mm-hmm. in lots of education settings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do we make kids do or students do and change themselves instead of accepting where they're at and saying, yeah, you are enough, mm-hmm. um, and then helping them, like, fulfill what that is for themselves mm-hmm. yeah. um, as their teachers or educators. I had a question that was in my head while mm-hmm. you were talking, and then I completely forgot what it was. It was related to your first point about, can you, re- can you say it again? Uh, the theater has sort of... Ha- been having oh yeah exactly money. yes yeah yeah so th- also the just fact hiring that, yeah, <laughs> yeah all the things right having enough people to like facilitate the work um yeah because money um i the the idea that like um the first time i ever had a conversation with anyone about racial like colorblindness was in a th- theater setting mm. and so the reason why is that you have to be hyper aware of like mm-hmm. um racial difference in order in terms of like casting or whether or not you're going to choose to ignore it or to utilize Mm -hmm. it or whatever um so and i was in you know eighth grade seventh grade right and it was a conversation that comes up in when you do theater productions like i I don't know it just yeah embedded right i mean theater is semiotic it's phenomenological it's semiotic right um Mm -hmm. so everything you put on stage signifies right um so i like I was I, I was in college when we like the the shift from the idea of colorblind to color conscious mm-hmm. came mm-hmm. in theater right mm-hmm. like so that conversation yeah. which is still fresh and ongoing in a lot of places right. I'm also like is also thirty years old you're right? like come like, on now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's where the shame Why are, are, yeah right <laughs> there we go we haven't run it yet why are we talking about this in other in yeah, other I mean, disciplines really yeah like, I've been using the terminology around color conscious casting since you know definitely 1998 yeah. right um, <laughs> that that colorblind is not actually yeah. functional like we're never blind right yeah. like we are yeah. like as my high school theater teachers used to say like we are sighted animals mm. we look first right yeah. um and um so that when you cast there's no world in which you get to be neutral or yeah. you are blind yeah. or your audience right. is blind so you better make choices that signify in ways that you want them to. That's not to say you might not do something controversial, right? It's not to say that you might not make a mistake. It's not to say that you might do things that, um, you know, create different types Mm. of emphases, but you don't, there's no place to be blind or neutral, right? Yeah. 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 I still, I I don't know, I can't think of a specific play, but I still, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, some of the advertisements I've seen and sometimes I look at the choices and I'm like, why are you 
why are you doing this play or why are you focus on this thing or why does mm-hmm. your cast look like that? Because I think isn't there more intentionality that's behind it mm-hmm. or like what is that? Because um, I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes people don't maybe make the choices thinking about all the power dynamics. Yeah. But I'm, it's, I'm hopeful to hear that you're saying that there's yeah. more there that's happening. Yeah. Or yeah. people make choices thinking thinking they've thought about it and then they realize yeah, their audience feels really, is. really different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, that's a really good And point. it's funny also how audiences read a play, like whether or not, you know, the issues are political in mm-hmm. any way or meant to be political. I was in a production. I was Mrs. Beaver in um, The Lion, the Witch, oh, and the Wardrobe yes. uh-huh. at Olympia Family Theater, which was Once such... time I was Susan and that is awesome. It was such a fun. It's such a fun show. I read the book. I yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know the story. It was. It was such a fun show, and like I remember doing it and think like that. Um, that the it ended up being a really, and I think it's because it was the context. Like it was in Olympia, but everyone who came to it was like, "This is radically political." Like, and it wasn't. I mean, you know, like the book. <laughs> You're like, but actually, it's not really. It the story no, is I mean, not. It is, and it isn't. And then, but the, it became this whole other thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because of how we performed it and how it was directed and how it was produced and it felt different and so I think even those small things that you, you change how you tell a story and it becomes political or becomes mm. meaningful in a different mm-hmm. way or mm-hmm. who you cast changes the dynamic of um, the story you tell. So. Yeah. Not all theater is activist theater but all uh, theater is political right yeah. like all yeah. all like when you're when you're making a work of art right all aesthetic choices are political choices are ethical choices are mm. spiritual choices right like they all and it's a loop right like you can yeah. start in any place in it but then yes. all those other like I'm making this choice because I'm thinking about this aesthetic thing but it has political ramifications yes. it has ethical ramifications yeah. has spiritual ramifications or I'm making this choice because of this and it just right yeah <laughs> um, yeah mm-hmm. I love that uh, this is a good place mm-hmm. to take a quick break and yeah. then we'll come back We'd like to take a quick moment to thank Workforce Central for sponsoring Channel 253. Our economy has been heating up and jobs are coming to our region, but in Tacoma and Pierce County, we still have two big problems. One, a lot of our workers are getting on I-5 and heading north to work in Seattle. Yeesh. Two, many of our residents don't know how to get trained for the jobs that are open in Pierce County. This is where Workforce Central comes in. Workforce Central wants to help you find a job here. Here. Workforce Central partners with Pierce County businesses, local governments, nonprofits, organized labor, and schools to get our workforce prepared for living wage jobs in our area. If you need training to help you get a better job or need to advance your skills to land a better job, well, Workforce in Tacoma can actually help. All you have to do is call 253-593-7300. That's 253-593-7300. Right now, there's a demand for workers in industries like healthcare, construction, transportation, and advanced manufacturing. Workforce Central helps get Pierce County residents trained up for those jobs. And Workforce Central is making it easier than ever to find those jobs. Just head on over to workforce-central.org to search every job listing in Pierce County, all in the same place. That's every job. So put your talents to work, ditch your commute, and love your lifestyle. Thanks, Workforce Central, for your support of Channel 253. And we're back. We're and back. Before we jump into our conversation um, and wrap up with Sarah here today, um, I want to let all of our listeners know that you should be reading. You should be reading a book called White Rage by Carol Anderson. Uh, it is our next IWL book club. Hashtag read less basic. So go pick it up. Download it. I actually listened to it really quickly um, mm-hmm. on the airplane on audiobook um, format, and it was fantastic. So please read it. Um, post your comments, questions, insights, anything that makes you go, what? And then also, I want to encourage folks um, to look up the hashtag clear the air Twitter chat that was also around this book. It's fantastic. It'll get you thinking about things in a different way mm-hmm. as well. 
All right. So our next question for Sarah, what's the most interesting theater project you'd like to work on? Well, I am for the Race and Pedagogy National Conference that happens every four years at um, Puget Sound. I um, co-chaired the Arts and Special Events Committee for this fall's 2018 conference. And uh, along the way to getting there, I started a project around a sort of um, non, non-traditional non theater project, a, a, a sort of a performance walk. Mm. So not a, mm. a full, um, not a f- piece in a theater, right, but an, a, a quasi-participatory immersive storytelling piece that would um, – I, I was aiming to create a walk through um, parts of the hilltop mm. um, using narratives that already exist from the documentary about Tacoma civil rights history that was yeah. made in 2008 and then supplementing that with more narrative. And we did a story circle last summer with a lot of yeah. women um, of that generation and uh, the generation after their their daughters and um, sort of adopted daughters. Yeah. Um, and that, so that's something that I – want to continue. Part of what I experienced is that I was on sabbatical in the fall of 2017 and started shaping this idea, which is um, comes out of my exposure to um, British um, so, uh, uh, political and uh, socialist theater forms and, mm-hmm. and experimental forms that work with this notion of, of walks. And then there are American groups that have done some walking theater uh, pieces as well, but there's a lot in England. Um, And thinking about those and thinking about my own context, thinking about belonging to this community Mm -hmm. and really being here and pretty soon now closer to 10, like soon we'll have been here truly 10 years Mm -hmm. and wanting to be in the place I'm in and I like telling stories. So I started that project and quickly learned how rapid, how much, how much bigger it was than I could accomplish in Mm. a year, especially when I was doing other leadership for both that conference and then on campus. So this, this fall, a year ago, almost now fall um, conference, I, I uh, did not, we did not do a full version of that walk. We sort of presented about where we had gotten to Mm -hmm. and said, look, um, 2022 is coming, which is a long time, but also not so long, mm. given how how many constellations of things yeah. there are to mm. organize yeah. when you're doing work that is partially do- like that is documentary about a community where yeah. you want people's voices to come forward. You want that ownership where, where people might be moving yeah. through an actual community space, right, where there's technological stuff because you're going to listen to yep. stories while you walk. And um, so I think I'll keep working on that. I know I'm, 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 know I'm committed for 2022 RPNC mm. as well. Um, there's, there's a lot of work to do on that front. Um, so that's, that's one. There's a lot of shows I'd like to direct, mm-hmm. um, I'm doing the Penelope ad in part because it's one I've wanted to direct for a long time. Um, but, yeah, that's the one where I'm like, I don't – I have to figure out how to bring that to another level of fruition. Yeah. And I have to so stay cool. – we have to stay in the mm-hmm. RPNC and the community partners forum processes that it's grounded in. Um, yeah, that's the one. Cool. <laughs> it's interesting as you're mm-hmm. um, describing mm-hmm. that experience. I, I'm reminded of last summer I went to Cambodia mm-hmm. and Nate and I went to the S21 prison, um, which is insane. But it, it has that you're walking through it used to be a school and now it's, um, you know, and then it became this killing field, essentially killing ground mm-hmm. and prison. Um, and the audio, like you're following along and the way that it's curated, like mm-hmm. through the experience and all the voices that you're listening to telling stories of different parts and yep. you can kind of make selections. So there was a couple moments where I was like, I can't listen to the story in this moment. 
mm-hmm. right now. And then like you move and then just how they made choices about when to move people in and out of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there are mm-hmm. spots where like there's some seats set up and some trees to just mm-hmm. kind of give you a moment to like breathe and then mm. kind of move through. It was really, really, really interesting. So I'm p- kind of picturing that as you're talking about yeah. um, Tacoma as you're bringing people these new experiences and, yeah, and, and walking, reminding them. walking through a space they may uh, or walking them through a neighborhood they may spend a lot of time in or yeah. only drive through or yeah. not have spent a lot of time yeah, in. Um, weaving together different stories leaving and, and other types of documentary mm-hmm. evidence, right? Um, so it's it's non-traditional theater. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, as much about, like, who is the actor is yeah. often the question. Yeah. They're like, and who is the audience? And I'm like, well... <clears throat> Everybody. <laughs> in truth, right, the audience is the actor, right? Like yeah. the person going on yeah. the walk is performing the walk right. and they're also receiving the stories, mm-hmm. right, you know, and being in the space. Mm-hmm. And um, So it's a different form for me, um, and but it, it is a natural outcome of many things I've researched yeah. and thought about. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's also super scary, um, but... Um, I'm there's, also, some, there's some <laughs> risk involved. Yeah, in there's a yeah. huge amount of risk yeah. involved, which is part of why bringing it to fruition in... Uh, a year-long timeline turned out to be so much bigger than I thought. Where yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. There's like there, you need the need to go slow in certain places mm-hmm. yeah. is, is really paramount. Yeah. Um, and then we've also got um, we're at a transition moment in our department. Um, Jeff Pearl is retiring, and we've just hired a new colleague who's joining us. Um, at the start of fall, and he is um, African American theater scholar, um, specialist in hip hop theater. Oh. Um, his dissertation mm. is fascinating, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just really excited to see what what he's going to stage <clears throat> as he directs. And he teaches; he's going to teach playwriting, mm-hmm. and um, I know he's maybe working on an idea around. Um, a first fr- freshman class on hip hop philosophy, um, oh, and awesome. and so. So there's also – I'm also at the part of my life where part of the things I want to do is, like, um, support and mentor other yeah. artists, mm-hmm. right, to get stuff on stage that they want to get on stage yeah. or get out mm-hmm. into the world that they want to get into the world. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we ready to ask some frivolous questions? I, I think so. frivolous <laughs> Yeah, for ask. sure. Um, so you're also, like, really into movies. Well, my husband is way more into movies okay. than I am. I sort of get to drag. Yeah, I know things by association. <laughs> um, and I often say, like, uh, people will say, have you watched this movie? I'm like, I've watched parts of that movie because I've walked through the room while he's watching it. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, um, so we'll see if you can answer this question then. Um, so thinking about, like, different uh, mediums, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so would you rather, and a lot of times I think about plays mm-hmm. are adaptations from, like, books and from mm-hmm. other things, in addition are, to, like, yeah. the original. Yeah. Um, so is it better to read like a mediocre, like is thinking about your rankings. Mm. So would you rather go watch a really mediocre performance that's like original and interesting, but poorly done versus like reading a mediocre book versus watching an amazing movie? Like what's your ranking when it comes amazing to Amazing movie. That doesn't feel fair. Cause what, I feel like amazing it, movie would be at the top automatically. Versus, I mean, what's okay, your okay. preferred? I don't know that I'm going to directly answer that question, but I do know that I've discussed <laughs> with my students that, that here's that, that if you have the, um, if you have a sort of mediocre text, yeah. a, a play text, a sort yeah. of mediocre or formulaic play text, but incredible performance, that tends to be a better experience mm-hmm. than incredible text, mediocre performance yeah. of it. I'm not saying that I want to rule out, you know, a, yeah. a great show getting done regardless of how it's produced. But from the audience standpoint, 
often audiences, including myself, enjoy a mediocre text with phenomenal yeah. acting and yeah. like production mm-hmm. values more than they enjoy a fantastic text with sort of, you know, falling apart acting or yeah. not connected acting. And I feel like that's really hard and unfair because I want to say that the <laughs> like the quality of the story and the writing yeah. is the most important part. But in truth, in the performance <laughs> moment, it, you know, mediocre text with great performance yeah. is often more satisfying than fantastic yeah. text with sucky performance. Yeah. Well, and also, right? like, bad, like, really bad writing can be really funny, like, if it's done, like, if yeah. it's delivered well or... Or bad writing can still allow emotions to yeah. uh, <laughs> emerge, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Uh, I... I would almost always pick going to a somewhat slightly bad play over a somewhat slightly bad movie yeah. mm-hmm. because I would rather watch what artists yeah. are doing right there. Yeah. And also because I know I can watch the movie. I can, like, consume it. I can watch clips of it I, yeah. on my phone. Yeah. I can, you know, just point. let it. I can just sort of get my mind around mm-hmm. it quickly, mm-hmm. whereas there, there's it's not as, as easy to do that with theater. Um, and then I think bad books... <laughs> are another thing entirely. Um, And I just like reading. I just like reading text, right? So I'll read pretty much anything that you put Mm -hmm. in front of me. And the good thing about bad books is that I can move really, really fast. Yeah, you're just like flip through. So so I'm like, oh, it's like eating a candy bar. (laughs) I just moved so fast through that, but it was still text. Yeah. Okay, so obviously I'm not a very discriminating person. That's a great answer. I love this answer. Your answer. My question's convoluted, but I love your The question, like, you really delivered on the answer. That was Yeah, that was good. That was awesome. Should we do our guilty favesies? Yeah, guilty favesies. Interchangeable. White ladies. Okay, see. Think something you love, but you're like, eh, maybe I shouldn't love this as much as I love it. Um, some people don't feel any kind of guilt about things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. don't feel that, that's fine. Does it have to be art? Or no, it can be, no, anything, it can be you anything, anything you want. So Annie, go so ahead and give your example. It's open-ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I, okay. See, I don't know if I actually feel guilty about this or not. <laughs> I, I, Since we've actually started this seg- segment of the podcast, mm-hmm. I have, we've had a lot of people say that they don't feel guilty about things. Because they're working on it. Like, they're working on not yeah. feeling guilt, mm-hmm. right? Not feeling mm-hmm. Undoing that kind of lesson they learned as a kid from their parents about you should feel bad about everything that you've done wrong um, <laughs> forever, all the time, simultaneously. <laughs> so I, I'm working on that. So I don't actually feel that bad about it, but it is a favesy right now. And I mentioned it when it came in the studio, but the best of Broadway on Spotify. Duh. Because it's so fun. And if you are having a bad day, the only thing you need to do is listen to that station in the car and you'll feel better. Because there are songs that, even if you're not a musical theater person, you'll recognize them. And you hear them a couple times on the channel and you're like, then you get you get the words. Because they're musical theater songs. The words are, you pick them up quickly. Like, they're meant to be sung, right? Like, in the car loudly, mm-hmm. having emotions. Give an example of that. Just um, kidding. <laughs> you don't have to sing right now. Uh, no, I'm not going to um. sing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but no, I, like an example of a song that I love to hear right when I'm pulling out of school is, um, do you know the song Defying Gravity from Wicked? Oh yes, Adina yeah. Menzel and yeah. Kristen Chenoweth. I've only seen that. Yeah. Once, oh yeah. Man. Listen, that song's amazing, and it's like that song super holds up. It's super. Yeah, and it's That's super. Not, there's nothing. There's no. nothing schlocky about that. No, song. Yeah. not at all. And it's super powerful. It's not tacky. It's not like that kind of campy musical. It's mm-hmm. good. It's good music. And so you put it on, and you're like, and after a long day, you're like, "That's just what you need." Sometimes yeah, you but, just blast it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't really feel bad it's, about it's good that. Sinus clearing too. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so true. Especially anything with Kristen Chenoweth, where you're singing through your nose to kind of try to match Kristen Chenoweth, sort of like nasal. Uh-huh. What like popular? That's one too. Or that'll mm-hmm. that'll get your that'll get your sinuses clear too. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you think of something? Hostess cupcakes. <laughs> Perfect. That's fantastic. Belinda Carlisle. Mm. Belinda Carlisle solo, not the Go Go's. No, 
mad about you, right? Um, <laughs> like, yes, uh, mid eighties, Belinda Carlisle. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, I was thinking about mine. Um, there's something I love the twenty minute like TV show on Netflix. That's like, oh, I'm I'm done. Twenty twenty one minutes. I'm really into Kim's Convenience right now. <laughs> oh yeah. And I would rather, or like, I justify in my brain like, oh, I can just watch three or four of these. It's fine. But I'm like, oh, I don't want to sit down to commit to like an hour and a half long movie. But I'll like <laughs> yes. do that. You mm-hmm. know, suddenly binge watch a whole <laughs> season. Um, so that's my guilty fifty. All right, final segment. Do your fudging homework. Oh, interchangeable. White ladies. All right. So in this segment, you uh, give some kind of recommendation for folks to listen to, do, watch something that you think will make us uh, be better human beings, be more empathetic, oh, be less crappy in the world. Um, <laughs> Annie, you have a really good one on here. You well, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about arts integration because I I feel like it's really important. I did a great session with Liz, Lynn Eisenhower. She's a music teacher over at Lincoln at our last like professional development day. And she she's she just did a master's in arts integration. And so I just want to encourage educators who are listening or if you work in a field where you work with people and you have the opportunity to do artsy things, um, check out the Kennedy Center has a lot of resources on arts integration. And they it, it's under a program called Arts Edge. So I recommend that you check it out um, to incorporate acting movement performance into your job. I know that like I said, not everyone's teachers, but a lot of their stuff is really useful if you work with the public. So, uh, yeah, just check it out. It's a it's a great resource. This is a hard one. I should have prepared more for this one. <laughs> I did not think about this one as much as I should. Do your fudging homework. Um, <laughs> read read August Wilson's Century Cycle. Uh, right. So mm-hmm. playwright August Wilson mm-hmm. wrote a play for every decade of the mm-hmm. 20th century about the African-American experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and just t- there are titanically important plays in that cycle mm-hmm. um, there that are very well known, but there may be people who do not know them yet at the level that, say, we might say D- Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman mm-hmm. um, or Tennessee mm-hmm. Williams' the Streetcar Named Desire are known, but they should be. And then there's some of the titles in the in the um, 10 play uh anthology that are a little bit less titanic in mm-hmm. terms of how their productions mm-hmm. landed but they're like reading it all together is is I have not had a chance to read it all together in like chronological order I've read them all at some point yeah. mm-hmm. um, they were not written in chronological order either but um, but I just think knowing those shows and thinking about that project mm-hmm. thinking about that century cycle um, yeah that's that's a really h- huge thing I think in terms of a uh, if we can have a shared culture in the United States, I think those should be right up there in it, mm. right, mm-hmm. um, alongside Miller and Williams and a couple others. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, read August Wilson. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to end with mm-hmm. um, supporting local theater. I think find out mm-hmm. what is playing uh, – no pun intended um, – <laughs> find out what is <laughs> happening in your community and just go support, whether it's at university or um, other local theaters. Get out there. Can I make a plug? Yes, please. Um, uh New uh, new theater uh, faculty member at UWT has a show up at Broadway Center right now, Mojada by Luis Alfaro, mm-hmm. a fantastic um, Latinx-focused retelling of Medea. Mm-hmm. Um, they're opening. They could use your support. I think that is an awesome text, an awesome project. That's local theater awesome. doing some brave work. Yeah, that's perfect. Great. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that if they want to follow up with anything they've heard today? Uh, I am at University of Puget Sound. I've got a website there. My email's on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respond to email as fast as I can. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Listen to our other podcasts. Move to Tacoma. Nerd Farmer. Citizen Tacoma. Crossing Division. Flounder's B-Team. We Art Tacoma. And Taco Man. <laughs> How can the theater arts be a tool for racial and social justice? Mm-hmm. Does that seem okay? Seems seems okay. okay. I don't know that I have an answer. Sure. <laughs> right. We'll like explore lots of... We'll try. Yeah. We'll try. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.